that you would make yourself known to us. Lord, open our hearts to hear and to receive your words in your truth, transforming us more into your likeness. Amen. Please be seated. All right, so for the last couple months, and it may seem like a little while we've been exploring these things, um, we've been looking at different encounters that Jesus had uh, with different people. He's interacted during all these stories we've been looking at with people from all sorts of different places and different backgrounds. People who like, were very, very high in status, people very low in status, people who were very wealthy, people who were very poor. He met and talked with people who were healthy, people who were sick, people who were dying, even those who were dead. In our reading today from Matthew chapter 12, we see an encounter of Jesus with his family and with his disciples. And we see also that Jesus had family. I think that's a striking thing that sometimes we can kind of gloss through is that Jesus had a family. He had a mom. He had brothers. He had relatives that were related by blood. And throughout Scripture, we don't see a whole lot of interaction with Jesus and those members of the family. It's pretty rare. It's pretty sparse. So for that to come up is something that probably should stick out to us, something we should pay attention to. Because this is one small instance where we get a glimpse of Jesus and his family. And after we read through this encounter, if we look through everything that's taken place, it kind of can leave us asking this question. Who is our family? Who is my family? What is family defined as? Because all of us are part of family in some way. I think that's one of those things that's undeniable. Whether we want to claim everybody right away or not, is regardless of the point, that point is regardless, we all are a part of some sort of family. Some of us, they're sitting next to him right now. We got mothers and brothers and sisters, just like Jesus said, just like Jesus talks about, in the pews or seats here, um, sitting next to us. Those family members may be in other parts of Houston, other parts of Texas. We may have family members all across the world, but we all are connected to family. Now, family might be something that we all have sitting right next to us. Family could be something that we're seeking to find something that we feel like we're missing, something that we feel like is lacking. Something, family also could be something that we feel like we have a strong grasp of, that we have a solid family. We have a solid core unit that we are living life with. Some of us may have family that's here in the church, that is the church. Maybe outside of the walls of this building and we're connected through friendships and relationships in all different ways. But either way, these people in our lives that we consider family are extremely important and influential in our development and our growth as people. And our understanding of how life is, what life is like, our families shape and form who we are. Sometimes in ways that we may not even realize it. Sometimes in ways that we don't always want it to be. But regardless of that, is that family is forming us each and every day of our lives. That doesn't stop as children. That continues until the day we leave this earth, until our last breath. And when we think about families, that can mean a, 
a lot of different things. So as I've said, family probably like 10 or 15 times. I'm hoping it's spurring a lot of different visions and images of what you consider family and who your family is, what your family is like. Now, to help kind of think about some things that we may go into looking into this story, I have a couple of illustrations that we can look at. Now, my wife and I love the little segments that Jimmy Fallon does on The Tonight Show, and one of our favorites is the hashtag segment. If you don't know what a hashtag is, a hashtag is a pound sign or number sign that they use on social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, and they organize ideas and thoughts and topics. So if you go to these pages, you, you type in a hashtag, that, and you type that topic up, if you click on that, it'll give you a list of people throughout the world who have been talking about this same topic. So, knowing what that is now, Jimmy Fallon does a thing called hashtags where he throws up a topic and people from throughout the world who watch a show tweet in what kind of comes to mind when they think of it. So, in the spirit of that segment, I've done the same thing and I've looked up on Twitter, hashtag, that's my family. And we're going to see what a couple people have to say when they think about their families. So the first one over here is at Sammy Marie says, my grandpa just told Siri to remind him to eat a cookie when he gets home. <laughs> hashtag LOL, hashtag that's my family. The next one, I am Lydia Grace said, I said, I love the doves mate for life. Mom said, they must be Christians. Dad said, they taste good. <laughs> Maybe that'll resonate with some of us here. The difference in our family members. Then we get at Des Wortham who says, they say that a family that prays together stays together. Hashtag, that's my family. And then our last one we'll just quickly look at from at Ming Swag. I have the best group of friends anyone could ask for. No matter what we go through, we got each other no matter what. Hashtag, that's my family. Now these tweets show our, how our family dynamics can be pretty different how they can vary from day to day, moment to moment, family to family. They can change a lot. They can be goofy and fun. They can be serious and real. It can be all sorts of different things. But regardless, we see that our family dynamics stir up a lot of thoughts and emotions with us. They impact us in a lot of different ways. And that's what I want us to think about as we enter this uh, encounter with Jesus and his family and his disciples in Matthew. Because at the heart of what Jesus says, and he could have hashtagged, this is the sign for hashtag, so now you can all go home and we're all like on board, okay? I saw Justin Timberlake do it. I'm pretty sure it's legit. <laughs> so hashtag, but Jesus could have said hashtag, that's my family. Because what he talks about here answers that question, who is my family? Who is our family? Who do I consider to be my family? He answers this. And it's thus, he does something that goes against the grain of his own culture. That's a big thing. What Jesus did here is like, let's picture this right now. Let's picture this, this room is so full of people that no one can even walk in. You can't even enter the doors. And his family, his blood is standing right outside the door. So right out here is his family. And everyone's crowded in and someone says, hey, Jesus, your family's here to see you. And he goes, and he says, wait a second. He doesn't invite them in. He doesn't make people clear out to bring them up. And in this culture, like, family would have been, like, essential. 
Like if you look throughout the Bible, how much is bloodlines and the father, the father of, beget, family is kind of a big deal for these people. And for him to say, hold on a second, I'm not inviting them in. I've got something to redefine for you. It would have not only shocked his family, but it would have shocked all the disciples in that room, all of those following him. And I think that if we're trying to grasp this for ourselves here today, that it's going to be shocking for us too. Because how many of us would do that same thing? To leave our family standing outside while we are inside. This radically defines not only our understanding of family, but every single relationship that we have in our lives. Every single one that we currently have and will have in the future and have had in the past. So we're going to look at a couple aspects of what Jesus does here. And the first is that Jesus redefines our relationship with him. And the second is that Jesus redefines our relationship with one another. So looking at the first one, Jesus first redefines our relationship to him. I know, it's crazy. Because this is one of the most shocking elements of this. Is how Jesus refers to each one of his disciples in that room. Throughout his life and ministry, Jesus is known as a whole bunch of different things. If we said, hey, throw out some names for Jesus, we'd be like teacher, rabbi, Lord, Savior, Messiah. I mean, the list goes on. We want to go back into the Old Testament, it's even longer, right? But what Jesus does here is he takes all of those and takes them to a more intimate level. Where he's not only saying, I'm not just your Lord, your Savior. I'm all those things, yes. But I'm looking at you and calling you my mother and my brother, and my sisters. He's taking this and making and defining those people as his family. Now, sometimes that can seem vague, right? It can seem like, well, what? I, I, that's kind of weird because I'm not there. It's hard to grasp what that really means. So we're going to picture, we're doing a little picturing of things. Just like when we were kids and you tell kids to imagine and pretend. So we're going to pretend for a second. I'm not going to pretend I'm Jesus because that would be weird. But we're going to pretend like we're in that same space. So once again, we're in that room. We're in that building. Everyone's flooded out. His family's outside, and Jesus standing up here stretches out his arm to his people. He stretches out his arm, and he says, Here are my mother and my brothers. Forever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So I want you, Jesus reaching forward, and this is going to be a little bit of an allegorizing a little bit, bringing it up to here, but Jesus is reaching out to us in this building today. He's reaching out his hand saying, you are my mother and my brother and my sisters. Now this is the same Jesus who Paul in Colossians describes as the person whom in the beginning, or uh, sorry, I skipped a verse, um, by whom all things were created. So Paul says, Jesus is the one whom by, all, by whom all things were created. Everything in the universe was created by him and through him. John, in the beginning of his gospel, says, referring to Jesus, that in the beginning was the word, that's Jesus, and the word was with God and the word was God. So this Jesus, who is the creator of all things, by whom all things were created, who is... God is calling us family. 
That's striking. Have you thought about how radical that is? How crazy that sounds? For, the, a, for God to then call us, the creation, his creation, family. How humbling is that for him? To equate himself as one of us. And not just one of, but in the same family. It's, it's an unbelievable it reaches right down into our heart and brings Jesus alive in a whole another way. And if I'm honest, like that's difficult for me to grasp a lot of times. Sometimes Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, these things of God stay up here in the clouds, right? It's this spirit thing, the spirit realm. And it's hard to remember that God is calling us literally his family. He wants to have that kind of relationship with us. Jesus is saying then also that he's not calling us, but he's calling us to have that kind of relationship with him that we have with our families, the best parts of our families, that he wants to be that intimate and that close, know everything about us, share everything in life. That's what Jesus is calling for us to share with him. And I hope that that shakes you to the core this morning that has Jesus come alive in a way that he hasn't before, that he calls us family. So the next one we're going to look at, that as he calls us, his mother, brother, and sister, that Jesus, go back one more, please. Back, back, yeah. Jesus redefines our relationship with one another. That in Jesus calling us his family, he's then saying that we are all family together. Now, his disciples were not all blood-related. That's, they weren't. Some of them were, but not all of them. So you had a gr- bunch of people, male and female, from different families gathered in one place that now Jesus is calling one family. And that speaks to the church today, to each one of us here that we are gathered as a family. So the people, not just sitting next to you, but behind you, in front of you, catty corner, all across down the street at the churches down the road, all across the country, all across the world, that we are part of God's family together. Now, he's not negating the relationships that we have with our family members. He's not saying, like, you're not to, like, honor your mother and father. You're not to, like, love your brothers and sisters. You're not to to have those types of relationships and grow them and strengthen them. But what he's saying is, I'm going to show you there's an even greater family for us to have, that we are a part of an even greater family. And in his name, in Jesus, in Christ, we are a part of that family. And there are some family members that we've never met in our own blood relations. There may be those like distant cousins or those like aunts and uncles that are kind of like over there. Sometimes we haven't met our parents, those who birthed us. But what we also see is regardless of what those types of dynamics are, that we have been brought into one family, into one household with one father. And that kind of changes the way that we'll probably approach a lot of our relationships. Probably makes you think back to a couple of relationships that you're like, well, that wasn't very brother-like of me or mother-like of me or sister-like of me. But we're all united in Jesus Christ. See, the crazy thing is we still are united and we still are related by blood. And that's the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for us on the cross. 
a blood that runs deeper and stronger and wider than any genetics ever could. So then what does that actually mean for our relationship to one another? That's great. That's cool. Like, I get it. Like, but what does that mean to, for all these people in this room? What does it mean for all those people I meet and encounter? There's a lot of different things that means because it takes our love for one another, even in those hardships, to a different plane, a different level. That even in those relationships in our families that we disagree, that we maybe butt heads against, or maybe we are adamantly opposed to one another, or we share deeply with, no matter what, there's a love there in family that changes, and that not only stays within those blood family relationships, but that's the same type of relationship uh, perspective that Jesus is calling us to take with one another in the body of Christ. So what can this look like? I think Acts chapter 2, when we get the, the passage that many people know is, you know, they broke bread together and prayed and studied the word. That can give us a glimpse of what family looks like. That's not just like a church thing. That is a family thing. A church family, a God family that we share in those things with one another. One, one little story that I have about that involves uh, my buddy Fisayo. Now, I'm going to put him on the spot. So I was this guy right back here in the black shirt, smiling and laughing, kind of cowering. And I, I told him, raise your hand, Fisayo, say hello. <laughs> I told him I was going to single him out and I would try not to embarrass him too much. So we'll see how that goes. But Fisayo and I met roughly 20 years ago. His family came to, to my family's church where my dad was the, the pastor and my mom was the children's pastor. And we met at church. And during our years, and that was in junior high, towards the end of junior high, during the next few years, we like got to know each other pretty well, and we were hanging out some, doing things here and there. But his parents weren't big on sleepovers and, and doing things like that. Well, one night we decided we were going to have like a, we wanted to play video games all night long, because that is the cool thing to do at 17 and 18, and that doesn't really change sometimes, because that's still kind of fun. Um, but we were playing video games all night long. Okay, and so then I ended up staying the night at Fisayo's house, and him and his brothers and his sister would say, hey, you know, if you stay over here, we have morning prayers every single morning. I was like, what? He said, we wake up every morning before dad goes to work, which was way before school, and we sing, we pray, and we read the Bible, and we discuss it. And I said, okay, um, well, it's the weekend, and I'm a guest, so like, we're not going to do that. And Fisayo goes, no, dude. We're going to do this. And I said, I think you're wrong. So we go to bed at, I don't even know how late it was. And then the next thing I know, the door flings open, the light shines through, and I hear, morning, boys, time for prayer. Fasayo and his brother, Deji, get up, roll out of bed, and just, like, go. I'm laying on this pad on the floor, like, shocked and, like, having, I think I'm having a stroke or something. Like, what is happening? Why is, what are we doing? And I'm sitting there, and it takes me a couple minutes to get my mind straight to go, oh, I need to leave and go downstairs. So I get up off my pad that I'm sleeping on. I go downstairs, and we sit in a circle on the couches. And his dad goes, okay, we're going to sing Psalm 121. I live my, and he starts singing the song, just a cappella. And I was like, this is real. Like, this is really happening. Then, then he goes, take out your Bibles. I was like, we're still going. We read the Bible. And I was like, all right, now let's pray. And I close my eyes to pray. And he goes, now what do you think about this passage? I was like, oh, my gosh, we're still going. And then we prayed. 
And like 30 minutes later, all right, amen. And then they get up and they, the kids go up and go back upstairs to go to bed. And I'm sitting there on the couch just not knowing where I'm at. I don't know if I'm awake. I don't know if I'm asleep. I don't know if I'm dead. Like, I have no idea what's going on. Well, over the next couple years and even into college, every time I stayed over at their house, we would wake up for morning prayers. Some mornings, I'm not going to lie, were a little harder than others. But that's what we did. I thought we were done when we went to college. Wasn't the case. I thought we were done when I was 27 years old and we went over and stayed over there for a family gathering. Guess what? We weren't done. Well, during college, and I didn't, this didn't hit me then, and it's continued to actually build throughout all those years. During college, there's one morning I got up, and I was actually prepared for it. I was like, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to be ready to go, ready to praise Jesus, even though I don't know where I stand with Jesus at that point in time. I was going to do it. I go downstairs, and after we end prayers, everybody rolls back upstairs like we normally did. But I stayed behind, and I, told, I looked at Josiah's mom and dad, and I said, thank you very much for including me in this when you all do this. Like, it makes me feel just very welcome. And I won't forget, his dad looked at me and says, that's what family does. This is what we do together. When I think about that, I feel like that's exactly what Jesus is defining for us today. When he says, claims that we are all his mother and brother and sister, that defines us as mother and brother and sisters to one another. We're part of God's family. And what that looks like in our daily lives, I see that Fasayo's mom and dad have been instilling that in their family and then in the friends that they have every time we go over there. Building that up. Now, if you hang out with me and Fasayo, you can kind of probably tell that we aren't blood related. I think it's a little obvious sometimes. We might even be from different countries. I'm not sure, but I think it's the case. But we see that, that that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we were born. It doesn't even matter who our, what families raised us. Because when it comes to God's family, we are all with one another. And that has changed and that has shaped me throughout all of my life and all of my ministry. And in ways that as a kid, I didn't get what that meant. That what started out as just a new family that was joining the youth group that were kids my age. We played sports and we played video games together. Became one of the guys that stood next to me as a best man in my wedding. Who has supported, uh, support and, supported and prayed for Mazan and I during three years of seminary. Who has been now on two different churches uh, supporting me and supporting our teenagers in youth ministry. That this is what God's family looks like as it goes and grows. We do this as groups. We do this as individuals with one another. This is what we do as God's family as we walk through life together, sharing life just like families do. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, coming full circle, going back to the question of who is my family, that's how this stuff is answered. Jesus has defined us as the family of God. Jesus has set that before us. Now, in Galatians, he writes that there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. We're all one in Christ. He's not saying that those, those things don't exist anymore, but he says that those things don't matter when it comes to the family of God. 
and he's adopted us as his children, and we share as brothers and sisters in Christ. So what does Jesus' radical definition of family mean for us? There's a couple things we're going to explore about how this continues, how we can press into this just a little bit more when we look at what this looks like as God's family. The first one is that we're called to help grow God's family. Our family doesn't stay our family like this. In fact, we see in Matthew uh, 28 that Jesus tells us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Now, what this says, if we take the fact that Jesus is talking to his disciples and saying, hey, you are my mother and my brother and sister, and he's telling his followers that, then he tells us to go and make more. Jesus is, if A equals B and B equals C type mathematics, I'm in ministry now, I'm not great at math, but I'll still try to pull it together. A equals C, which means that Jesus is saying, go grow the family. The family doesn't say the same size. If it does, the family will go extinct right? That family will cease to exist. But Jesus is telling us, no, 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 wait a second. By the way, our family is eternal, goes throughout all time, and that family is to never stop growing. He tells us to go and grow the family. The second is that we are to prioritize God's family over our own. Now, this can be really hard because families can almost take a level in our culture today of idolatry, where they become the God that runs our lives. They become the God by which all decisions are made. The moral standard, the religious standard, the spiritual standard, all standards become based upon our family's dynamic and our family's situation. And it's a tough thing to struggle through. It's a tough balance to hold. And I wish that I could stand before you today and say, hey, I read a book or I did some research and I figured it all out. This is our blueprint. There is none. Because all of our families are different. All of our spiritual walks are different. But it's something to keep in mind every day as God has redefined our family as being something greater than our own. He, he casts a vision for this in a way that transcend blood and relationships. To redefine us in a spiritual way that is going to change not only our behavioral patterns, but it's going to change our hearts. And I, I would go as far as to say that the way we engage with our spiritual family is going to be a top-down thing. If we're off in our spiritual family, if we're off in our family of God, if we're off in that redefined relationship with Jesus and with one another, that's going to affect the relationships that we even do have with our families for positive and negative. So Jesus is calling us to reprioritize God's family over our own and that's a tension that can exist. And that's a tension that may not be solved immediately or ever. But it's part of the world that we live in and the, sh the fight that we have in seeking to live as followers. Doing the will of the Father, just like Jesus said. And then the last one is this. That we are to welcome those in need of family. Many people have never experienced a church in this way. A lot of people have never experienced a family relationship like I have been blessed to have with Fasayo and his family. A lot of people haven't had the opportunity to even have a stable home to go to. And because of these dynamics, because of our own idolatry of our family, over the radical call of Jesus' call to the church, these people have felt marginalized and pushed to the edge. They can feel without a place, even in God's family, in God's kingdom, they can feel like they don't have a place to belong. 
but God is calling the singles, the divorcees, the widowers, the widowed, the lost, the broken, the addicted, the afflicted, the oppressed, the abused, the ones who feel whole, the ones who feel full, whatever it is. He's calling all of us. And we're in need of inviting and bringing in all those people into the family of God. Because families knit together by the blood of Christ is stronger than a family knit together by our own flesh and blood. And it's this type of family dynamic that as we are getting ready for the falls, we're launching into new things. I'm sure you're reading about it on the website and in our email blast and stuff like that, that this is the type of family that we're seeking our life groups to be to be families where we can bring people in, walking with one another through all the dynamics that life has, through all the struggles, through all the issues, through all the joys, all the excitement, all the celebrations, and all the pain, and all the suffering. That we will seek to live as a community in prayer and in worship, and sharing life, and eating meals, and praising our Lord. Just like a family we were going to seek to be God's family. So I encourage you that if you're not engaged in a life group, to ask questions. Ask David, ask myself, ask somebody, anyone, about how you can get involved, how you can get engaged with a life group, to walk through this life, to grow the family that you have. Jesus radically redefines here what family is. And we've talked about a lot of things that can be earth-shattering, it can be difficult to grasp. It can be difficult to even know where to start. But it's good if we're starting to think. And we'll let God do what God does as we keep walking. Family, as Jesus has redefined, with a common heavenly father, birth in the death and blood of his son, knit together by the Holy Spirit, that's the strongest family we can have. And if we want to be that family God has called us to be and see this family grow, it's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take some love. It's going to take some intentional engagement. But let us leave here today seeking to live into this radically redefined family that Jesus has given us. Amen. Now, if you would, please stand. Let us.